Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Abby Haverman. Abby, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Abby is the founder of Haverman Financial Services, an authenticity enthusiast, an impact seeker, and an author. I'm excited to have you on. Abby, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. Well, first, you know, uh, just uh, to tell you, my husband is actually the founder of Haverman Financial, Brian okay. Haverman, but I've been there quite a while. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, well, I'll tell you what I do everywhere I go in my life stems from a story that I'm going to tell you it happened back in 2006. And it was the day before I was going to leave my first husband. And he was sitting on the couch trying to tie his shoe but he wasn't wearing any pants and he was mumbling to himself. And I, I put my hands on his face. I said, Bill, you're not making any sense. And he took his hand and he put it over my face and he shoved me to the ground and I sat up and I slapped him. And five minutes later, there were three cops at my door. And this female cop asked me, did it hurt when he shoved you? Now, my husband was addicted to his pain meds. I wanted to leave him. I didn't want him to go to jail. So I said, no, it didn't hurt. But an hour later, after they had separated us, the same cop sat me down and he said he never shoved you. And when you slapped him, it hurt. And you're going to have to come with me. And so off I went. It was early morning. The garage doors were opening in my neighborhood. And there I was at that time, the resident couples therapist, with my arms being wrenched behind my back. Lo and behold, there were no judges to hear my case, so I had to spend the night in jail. And that night I had five friends come and visit me, some were therapist friends, and I, I, was, I was beyond humiliated and broken, and I said, what am I gonna do? And my therapist friend said to me, Abby, this does not define you. Not as a woman, not as a mother, not as a therapist. You're gonna go lay down and think about what to do next. And so I did, I went back to my cell, but when I started to think, what I started to think about was that I never really liked that my husband was older than me, that I never liked that my husband wasn't very ambitious, that I never liked that he wasn't very social, all these things that I knew I never liked about him. In fact, I wasn't even sure that I had been attracted to him. And so I asked myself, what in the world would make you marry someone who you knew was all wrong for you? And then what happened next was I heard this voice in my head. It came hurling up to my frontal lobe. And I said, well, Abby, who else is gonna love you? And I realized, George, at that moment that that was the voice I had been following my whole life with all the decisions I had made. And I realized that I, I needed to adjust the volume on the, that voice and my true voice, the one that was telling me way, way back when, you know, you're really not that into this guy. And so wherever I go now, whether it's work or personal or whatever kind of interaction I'm having, what I'm doing is helping people adjust the volume on that true and toxic voice so that they can step in to their emotional and financial net worth. And it really is all about adjusting that true and toxic voice. That is a, a heck of a story. Thank you so much for sharing it. <laughs> oh, my You're goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was wild. That's, yeah. There's a lot to talk about there. Um, yeah. Well, what... What do you mean by emotional and financial net worth? So 
I think of worth in a few different ways. So when we think about net worth, obviously in finance, you have what you have, what you own, and then you have what you owe. And you subtract what you owe out of what you have, and of course you're left with your net worth. So if you have, if you're worth a million bucks, but you owe 500,000 on your house, you're worth 500,000, right? And your, your net worth can go up and down on a daily basis. So then you think about your self-worth. And the way I like to define self-worth is you have your intrinsic value, what you're worth as a human being, and you add in that toxic voice. In my case, it was the one that was saying I wasn't lovable. Or you add in what's happening around you in society and what people are saying to you. And then you're left with your self-worth. And so if that's the case, then your self-worth can go up and down on a daily basis as well. And some days you might have none depending on what you're bringing in, right? So then I like to think about your real worth. And what your real worth is, is that intrinsic value uh, minus the toxic voice or what's happening around you. And your real worth, when you stop listening to that toxic voice in your head or the voice uh, of others around you, then you are left with your real worth, which is static. It doesn't go up and down. It's there all the time if you just choose to live inside it. And so I feel that that has to do all about with adjusting those volumes of true and toxic voices to be in that real worth place. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it certainly does make sense. And I think it's so important that we're, we're being mindful of that and that we are constantly probably revisiting that. And yeah. that, that, that being said, uh, do you have some kind of a, a strategy to help people go through that? I do. I do. So I have three steps that I think are critical when you are going to adjust the volume of those voices. And the first step is to be able to hear your true voice. And this is the voice that relates to your value. So for example, I work with a lot of women in finance, men, but women as well. And what I hear women say a lot is I'm nervous that I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to last my whole life. And that is a reasonable anxiety, right? I mean, that's something that we should pay attention to. For sure. And so that's a true voice, you know, saying, hey, you got to listen to this. But then I hear what comes next is what's so clearly their toxic voice, which says something like, you know, if I go and do what I need to do, maybe it's talking to your spouse, maybe it's the spouse that takes care of the finances, then we're going to have an argument because he or she's going to think I'm judging them and I don't want to argue about it. And uh, that's too uncomfortable. Or they'll say something like, well, you know what? I just don't understand all this finance stuff. And if I try and understand it, I'm going to look stupid because I'm still not going to get it. And so that's the toxic voice kind of taking over. And the thing of it is, is that 90% of women at some point in their life are going to be in charge of their finances. And studies show that only 20% of women actually feel comfortable with that fact. Because 80% of men die married and 80% of women die single. Wow. So it's super important that as women, we get control of this, of this voice. And the way to really find out, because sometimes women will say to me, but how do I know? You know, I'm, I feel anxious about all things, all kinds of things. How do I know which is which? And what I tell them is the way to know if you're, if you're thinking about your true or your toxic voice is if, if the voice, the anxiety that you're having is related to something like, I don't want to have a fight. I don't want to have a conflict, uh, a crisis of confidence something like that. That's your toxic voice. That's, that's what that anxiety is related to. If your anxiety is related to something that's going to help you grow or step into your strengths, 
like, I got to figure this out. I need to know where my finances are. That's your true voice. So, you know, women, we live longer, we get paid less and studies show we invest less, even though, by the way, George studies show that we do a better job when we do invest, we invest less. Right. So all of these factors together, we have got to listen to that true voice and be able to ramp the volume down on that toxic voice. So the first step is to hear your true voice. Got it. Okay. All right. Perfect. Then what? Okay. So the second step is you have to act like you matter. Now, I don't know if, if this is as hard for men as it is for women, but once you hear your true voice and you know what you're, you know what it's saying, you have to actually follow it and act like you like you matter. So I like to ask people how they plan for things. And if you ask a woman how they planned for their child, for example, to go to school, I ask this at events that I do. I say, you know, do you, did you just drop your child off at the nearest preschool and drive by? Or did you actually <laughs> think about the neighborhood you were going to? And, you know, did you look into other academics about it? And, and most of the time, some women will say, nope, we just drove by. But most of the time women will say, um, no, I really researched it. And I'll say, well, why? Why did you think about it so much? And they say, well, because it mattered, you know, where they went to elementary school and then where they went to high school. And I say, why did it matter? They say, because I wanted them to go to a good college and have the life that they wanted to have, right? So it mattered. But women will so rarely, you know, take the time to sit down and plan out their own 18 years from now. We're so focused on doing for other people that we don't even realize that, you know, sometimes one hour of our time um, sitting down and planning or talking or thinking can do that for ourselves. So the second step is acting like you matter. Got that one? So actually taking the time to do it and yes. understanding that this this what are somewhat small actions are so important and you need to actually take the time to do them because you do matter. This is really, really important. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, we, we as women, I think I like to call it, we gaslight ourselves. You know, we, we think something's important and then we say, ah, nah, it's not that big a deal. Someone else need me more. Right. So acting like you matter. Okay. Okay. Ready for step three? I am. Okay. So step three is knowing your primary purpose. And I could go on a long time about knowing your primary purpose because I believe that when you understand what your primary purpose is in any given moment, whether it's literally how much, do, what do I want to get out of this interaction, this conversation? Um, how do I, what feelings do I want to bring into this day? Anything like that, when we can drill down to what that primary purpose is, then our, our decisions and our next steps become really clear. So, for example, I had a client who was getting toward retirement, and she was very nervous about losing any money at that point. She had been kind of aggressive up until then, and she was very comfortable, well, not comfortable, but she knew the stock market. She understood the stock market. And so she said she didn't want to lose any money. And I said, well, if you don't want to lose any money, you can't be in the stock market. But the alternatives were very scary to her because she didn't understand them and, and the things about it, uh, other things about it that she was getting kind of caught up in. And we sat down and I said, look, what is the most important thing to you? What, what are we trying to accomplish here? And she said, well, I can't lose any money. I, I, I know that if I, if I retire now with what I have, I have enough with the plan that we've laid out. And I just primarily need to know that that's going to be okay. And so I said, great, because, you know, very rarely, I don't know about you, George, but no one ever sits down with me and says, you know, the most important thing to me is that I am in Coca-Cola stock. 
or the most important thing to me, you know, is that I'm in this bond fund. Right. People, those are the tools that we use, right? So the primary purpose that people have is may, is more like, particularly for women, you know, no, the, is security, you know, or they want to know that they can give back to their family. They want to know they're going to be okay. Men have more often have more goals. I want to be able to golf all day. I want to, th- these are the things I want to be able to make sure that I can do, spend time with my grandchildren. And so when you know that primary pers- purpose, then, okay, great. Then we're, this is the tool that's going to get that done. Does anything else really matter? So people, we get in our way in all kinds of different ways. Um, and I use this, you know, in the home as much as anything when I'm dealing with my teenager, you know, what's my primary purpose? If I just need to know that I'm going to be at peace and have a good day and I'm not going to be maybe up all night or something, that's my primary purpose. I don't need to have a big argument with him. I just need to say, you know what, when you get home, wake me up because if you don't, I'm going to be up all night and I need, and sleep is what my primary purpose is right now. Done. It's not a big argument. It's just, this is the boundary. So knowing your primary purpose is a third step and so important in both finance and life. Does that one make sense? Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. It certainly does, and I, I appreciate that that all of them. I think, well, just just from the short amount amount of time that we've been talking, I think all of them are so integral to the process um, that I I would almost think that understanding your primary purpose could be first, but I, I certainly also understand why 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 it's also number three. Yeah, I think sometimes it's really hard to determine your primary purpose when you can't hear yourself. Ah, okay. You know, because we just get so confused a lot, I think particularly women, about, you know, we're so concerned about what someone else thinks or feels or needs Hmm. that we sometimes fool ourselves into thinking what we want, think, or feel, or need is actually what someone else thinks, wants, or feels, or needs. Does that make sense? So so sometimes we have to just get quiet enough you know, to be able to hear the voice. And then once you can hear it and you can validate it and act like you matter, like, okay, I heard it. Now I have to follow it. And then the primary purpose becomes much more clear. Okay, this is what I need to do about it. I think that that's a perfect piece of clarification right there. Yes. Okay. Nice. Do you find that, that, that when people engage in this process, um, it's probably very, very relative to the individual, but how, how long does it take them to start making the change of, of recognizing that true voice and getting rid of the negative stuff? That is such a great question because, you know, what I have to cop to is that, you know, that night on, on the jail cell floor, right? Sure. I, I was on a floor by the way, cause it was overcrowded. The, all the bunk beds were taken. So I was on this cot on the floor and, um, <laughs> I have to say, I heard so clearly that voice and I had this epiphany and I knew that I would never listen to that voice again, certainly as it related to my relationships. And I went ahead and I, you know, like upgraded by 10,000 fold on husbands, you know, shortly (laughs) after. Right. (laughs) But I have to cop to that. It didn't, it didn't happen right away. Like those, that hearing that voice in all the other areas of my life took some time. It really takes some intentional practice and you have to have the courage to do different, different things than you are normally used to doing. So I think the process can take you know, depending on how, how desperate somebody is, unfortunately, people tend to do these things when they're super desperate. Right. Um, it'd be greater if we just did it, you know, early on. I'm sure you have those people that come into your office, like after the 2008, and sure. you're saying, 
there's a lot less I can do for you now than I could have if we had started before. Um, so it can really vary. Um, you know, it can take people years to do this, but if you make a decision that you need to put yourself first, it, it actually turns out, you know, being selfish, if that's what you want to call it, is the best thing for everyone around you. And, and you could do it, you know, in a matter of weeks and then everything comes, everything that comes in your path, you have to stay on top of it. You have to manage it. So I don't just walk around like, oh, that's done. Now every decision that comes in front of me, I'm okay with. Right. No, I have to stop and think, especially if I'm getting off my game and I'm getting worried about this, that, or the other, or what someone else is doing, or, you know, how angry I am about this or that. I have to come back to, okay, what's, what's my voice telling me I need to do for me right now? So it's, it's, a, it's a lifelong process. It's not something I think that happens. I love your question because it's sort of like emancipating. You know, we do it our whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. It's, it's almost like you're, you're reframing the, uh, the call, call it the problem in that so many people put this stuff off because they're putting other people first when in fact this is the primary thing. It's like on the airplane that we've heard this a million times when – the flight attendant says, exactly. "Hey, you know, when the when the oxygen mask comes down, secure yours first, and then worry about everybody else. So, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're you're not going to do as good a job as you would be able to if if you weren't in a better situation. So, appreciate that very much. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Well, Abby, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? You know, I I feel like I just gave you three tips, so I just want to encompass. For sure. I want to encompass the, the tip that, you know, if I, if I had one thing to, to impart on people, um, it, it that, that is so different, so life changing. It's, it's just listen to yourself, listen to what your body and yourself is telling you. If I had listened to myself way, way, way back when I never have been in that situation. I that I have to take a hundred percent responsibility for it because if I had listened to what I needed and wanted, it turned out all those things that I told myself about. Oh well, I need to just get over that he's older than me. Oh well, he's not. You know, he's not social. So what? I need to stop being so judgmental. Turns out those were just my preferences, and if and I'm allowed to have them, and if I just had listened to myself. I never would have been there. And that's what I tell women um, when they're you know, concerned about having an argument, for example, with their partner before dealing with their finances. You know, if it's important to you, that's enough. It's worth the argument. It's worth the conflict to do what you need to do for yourself. So my tip is listen to yourself. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. And Abby, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So I can be found at www.havermanfinancialservices or on my email at abby, A-B-B-Y, at Haverman Financial Services. That's spelled with a V in the middle and two N's at the end. Perfect. Well, Savage, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Abby your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to HavermanFinancialServices.com. Check out all the great stuff that they've got going on, and I'll, I'll, of course, list that in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Abby. Thank you, George. This was so fun. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about 
How Do I Start a Podcast, that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.